great future. We're talking real money. Hi again, and welcome to the Talking Real Money podcast that Don records on Friday, also known as the Q&A or the question and answer edition of Talking Real Money. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate the fact that you're here, and I hope I can help get some of your questions answered, of which there are oh so many. We have tons of them, so I'm going to try and get through a bunch today. I, I, I can't promise anything. I'm going to get through as many as I can. Because, um, you know, I kind of like being surprised by the questions. I take them as I get them. Because it makes the thing more spontaneous and a little bit more interesting. So here is, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you how you can call in your questions. If you want to call them in on the old telephonic device, which really isn't an old telephonic device. It's like a a smartphone, probably. Call 855-935-TALK. You can use an old phone if you wish. The other way to send them in is to record them, please, at TalkingRealMoney.com slash contact. Yes, you can type them, but answers to typed questions take a whole lot longer because there are so darn many of them. So we prefer to hear your voice. And so you can call us at 855-935-TALK or record them at TalkingRealMoney.com. And that's how this next question was done. Hey, my name is David. Um, I live in the most country town ever called Arab, Alabama, and I recently got serious about my investing. I'm 31 years old, and I've got a couple of stocks of IMMR, a couple of stocks of Unity Software, uh, about five stocks in Robinhood, and I own some Shiba Inu and some Doge Elon Mars tokens. I also own some Doge tokens. Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, basically, I just wanted to ask what would be my best avenue for making money in the short term with these stocks? Because I don't think Robinhood will actually allow me to collect dividends from stocks that give dividends. Uh, if you can enlighten me, I would really appreciate it. Uh, I've been listening to your show for going on a week now, and I really like it. It's been really insightful and really helpful. Thank you. Oh, David. David, 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 David. I'm glad you like the show because I just don't think you're going to like my answer very much. But the answer I'm going to give you is honest, heartfelt, and truly, truly based on vast quantities of experience over the course of more than 30 years in this business. I got into it in my 20s. As a stockbroker, doing dumb things, trying to pick individual stocks, trying to play options, trying to make a lot of money quickly. Because I know, I get it. When you're in your 20s, your late 20s, your 30s, you're impatient. You want to get there quickly because it seems so far away, retirement. But really what you should be working toward is retirement, not vast immediate wealth because vast immediate wealth really only happens in a couple of cases. One, you get incredibly lucky, lucky, purely lucky as in gambling. People win the lottery. They make a lot of money. People go to Vegas. They hit that progressive slot thing. You know, they went $200,000, whatever it is, but they, they're lucky. The vast majority, the vast majority, the vast majority lose. 
and the vast majority will lose in the game that you are playing. I can, I'm confident in it. I am so confident that I'll state it as fact. The vast majority of people who have who are getting into cryptocurrencies are going to lose a fortune eventually. The problem is I don't know when. I don't know if one of that list is going to do well, but I can tell you that Shiba and Dogecoin, those are pure, pure, pure unadulterated speculations. No one ever expects those to be used as real currencies. No one. In fact, they were created as a joke. Now, Ethereum and Bitcoin, maybe, but unlikely because they don't make sense as currencies. The reason, be honest with yourself, please, David. The reason you got into them was because you thought you were going to make a lot of money fast. And maybe you did. Maybe you got in a couple of years ago and you've made a fortune. Great. Good for you. Please take your profits and go. Please. As for the others, I know that individual stock picking looks hot in your generation. But David, your adulthood has only has spanned the, the longest bull market in history. You've only seen stock prices go up. You've never seen a protracted downturn. And a protracted downturn can take your stocks to zero. Because who knows who is going to win in the biotech arena? Who knows who is going to uh, win in the haptic technology area like uh, IMMR? Who knows? I don't know what stocks you have at Robinhood, but I'm willing to bet you're trying to day trade your way to wealth or at least market time your way to wealth. And you have to believe me, it doesn't work. Just because it has worked for the past 10 plus years does not mean it will continue to. This will end, and I've seen it end over and over again. And for those who do what you're doing, the for the vast majority, it ends badly. Just because you've heard an anecdote about it ending well for someone doesn't mean that someone is going to be you. If you were my client or my family member or my friend, I would absolutely suggest that you stop doing this and you start putting your money in an IRA or a Roth IRA or your 401k that you get a globally diversified mutual fund that owns all those stocks you're picking. It just owns a whole lot more. So it can never go to zero. It would require the collapse of the entire global economy for a a fund like uh, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index to go to zero. The whole economy would have to collapse. You can lose it all with just a little bit of an economic tr- problem trashing your small speculative companies. And they are small and they are speculative. I hope you take the right path, David, but the, you're on the wrong one now and it will bite you. I am very confident in stating that. Again, our phone number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You can also send questions in on the contact form at TalkingRealMoney.com, and they'll get answered during our uh, question and answer sessions on various podcasts, which air almost every day, or air, go online almost every day. We have a radio show on Saturdays, too, in Seattle. Anybody can listen to it in the country, though, streaming. All right, let's see. We've got another one that was spoken at TalkingRealMoney.com. 
Hi, I have a question. I My wife has an opportunity in her 457 plan to contribute to the Roth. Um, I'm not really that keen on the, uh, how do I say, the investments. So I was thinking, if I just do pre-tax in the 457 and do a Roth conversion, does that ultimately equate to the same in regard to taxes? Um, I was just curious if it's taxed the same, a Roth conversion or contributing to a Roth 457. And I don't even know if it really makes sense to do a Roth. We earn combined 195 and we have 1.4 in retirement, 200 of which is in Roth. Well, let me kind of cut this apart a little bit. Let's start first with your statement that you don't like the investments in the 457. Let's just start with that. I it's kind of sounds like you may already be funding Roth IRAs outside of the work plans. If you are not fully funding your Roth IRAs for both of you, you should do that first cuz you can choose better investments. You can choose what you think is the best investment for you. If you're doing that already, then <laughs> Doing the regular 457 and doing a Roth conversion within the 457 is redundant. It's It makes no sense because you'll be putting the money in pre-tax, so you get a deduction, but then you'll take it out and you'll pay taxes on it to move it into the Roth where it'll grow tax-free. So six one way, half a dozen the other. Now, I believe, and Tom believes, that it makes sense to have both pre-tax IRAs and 457s, qualified plans, and Roth plans because it gives you flexibility in your withdrawal strategy in the future so that you can do a little tax planning. Uh, If you expect to be in a much lower bracket in retirement, then yeah, you want to concentrate on the pre-tax because you will pay hopefully lower taxes in the future. So, um, and as for the 457 choices, you might want to ask them for a list of all of the available options. You might not have that because it tends, uh, it tends to be that the commissioned people get in front, get to the front of the line and push theirs a little harder when there may be some no load products in there, or some good ones. I don't know, but, um, I think having both pre and Roth makes a whole lot of sense. Thanks for your call. You're in good shape for retirement, though. Thanks for calling. Uh, once again, this is another, let me look at the list. Yes, this would indeed be yet another one that somebody called in to TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Hi, Tom and Don. Dr. P from King of Prussia, PA, and a huge fan of the show. I'm trying to determine if it makes sense to contribute to a 401k versus an IRA for a single filer, making about 65000 per year where the company does not match contributions to the 401k plan. Is there an advantage to being in the 401k versus the IRA if you're only investing up to the limit allowable in an IRA? My thinking is the IRA has an advantage over the 401k and that you have more funds or ETS to choose from. But on the flip side, the 401k does allow additional deferred contributions beyond IRA limits. So I like that. Also, if I did decide to save over and above the IRA limits, my thinking is I could direct those contributions to the 401k, thus having two 
retirement accounts with the 401k being secondary to the IRA until my 401k plan had matching contributions from the company. If you could please reply to the questions and let me know your opinion on my thoughts on an IRA versus a 401k, that would be awesome. Thank you so much, Tom and Don. Dr. P, Dr. P, Dr. P from PA, I think we're on the same page. Uh, If you have a 401k that has reasonable investment options, but does not match my focus, particularly when you're in a lower bracket, which at 60,000 you would be, uh, versus where if you save like crazy for a long time, you'd be in a higher bracket. I would Roth those first. I would go up to the limit on the Roth, the 6,000. And then if I had additional money to put away, then I would participate in the 401k, um, even if it didn't have a match, so that you had some still sheltered money. You get a little bit of a deduction for it, unless your company offers a Roth 401k, in which case I'd probably do both the Roth IRA and the Roth 401k. Um, But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's the flexibility of an IRA because you can go almost anywhere and get almost any product and they tend to be a lot less expensive than the average 401k products because you can get you know you can get ETFs at three basis points and I don't think you'll find a single 401k out there with total fees and expenses of less than three basis points so I think we're on the same page sir good luck thanks for calling or questioning I guess you didn't call you just went to the uh, to the website well, just you did. Thank you for doing so. Uh, again, the phone number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. My gosh, it looks like the first four. I'm taking them in, in chronological order. First four come in from the website. So here is the next one, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Don and Tom. Thanks so much for all you do every single day, educating people and keeping it light and fun and talking real money. I love the podcast. So I'm a musician and I educate other musicians. I teach and I mentor them. And one of the things I teach and mentor them on is what to do with the money they make as musicians. And I try to get them to invest and give them a basic instruction on how to do it. One student in particular just started earning money uh, this year. So not in 2021, but in 2022. Does that mean they have to, if they wanted to open up a Roth IRA, does that mean that they would need to do it uh, next year for 2023? They want to start investing now because they've started earning money. Does that mean they would have they would have to do it in a taxable account until they do their 2022 tax year taxes and then they can open up a Roth next year? How exactly would you advise a student who just started earning money in 2022 to begin investing if they wanted to do a Roth? Would you just say, start with a taxable and wait to open up that Roth until we can report that income? Thanks so well, much. Well, uh, <laughs> knowing the, the arts industry as well as I do, uh, c- congratulations to your student on actually making money in music. It's hard to do. So it's very hard. There's a lot of competition in the arts, and the money tends, at least at the lower levels, not to be very good. It's great that this person has money and they're going to invest it. Good teaching on both counts. Do the Roth right now. No, no, no. They can do a Roth in the year that they earn the money. So they are earning the money in 2022. 
So they can do a Roth up to $6,000 as long as they make $6,000 or more in 2022. So I would do it the sooner. In my opinion, it's always better to do it sooner. I know everybody wants to play the time the market game. Oh, I'll get in when it feels better. Well, it doesn't feel better until it's already declined precipitously, and then it doesn't feel better. Actually, it doesn't feel better until it's fallen a lot and then it's gone back up again. And then you go, oh, I missed that. How did I miss that? I, I thought I would know. And no, you won't know. So uh, just do it. Just do it. Do it now. Good advice. Good teaching. Thanks for the question. Now we can go to the phones. 855-935-TALK is our number. And that's how this next question came in. Hi, Don and Tom. This is Christina from the Fisher area. You had um, read my question online and I was flattered that you did and you spent so much time on it. So thank you for that. Um, and then I also found out from uh, my coworker who introduced me to you guys, that's uh, Mike in Colorado. Um, he said that he was re-listening to it and that you had interjected a um, and edit. So, so thank you for taking the time to do that. And yes, that was a target date fund. And I apologize. I didn't make that clear. Um, my, I appreciate everything you did looking at it. I guess my main question really was in regards to asset allocation and thinking about the um, different taxable buckets and where like my most aggressive fund should go. Would that go in the brokerage account, the Roth account, or in the rollover. So along those terms, of, I'll be thinking about my three tax buckets. Anyways, I uh, love everything that you guys do, and I listen to you all the time as I'm doing chores and yard work and driving around children. So thank you for everything again. Oh, Take care. the infamous dragon episode. <laughs> yeah. If you watch it on video, I even put a dragon in. Um, and, and I did, I did put in corrections. This is when, when Christina put in uh, TDF along with some other symbols for, for funds. And, and we're going, what is, what fund is TDF? And we looked it up and it was the dragon fund. Well, she meant target date funds, which are very different. So we cleared that up and thanks for, for calling Christina. And by the way, thank you, Mike in Colorado for suggesting us. Let's talk about, you don't really have three tax buckets because I consider the rollover and the Roth to be the same tax bucket. They are tax advantage. They have either tax free growth or tax deferred growth. And while one would think that this is a really simple answer, it's not so simple. There are those many of those who say, keep the high dividend paying or high income paying assets, bonds and high dividend paying stocks in your qualified tax deferred or tax-free plans, the Roth and the rollover. However, and you keep your more aggressive assets as long as they're in ETFs, see ETFs, uh, in your taxable account. But here is the problem. So it doesn't make this a really simple, there's not a simple solution to this. You have your growth-oriented assets in ETFs, and you have that outside of your Roth and your rollover in your regular brokerage account. That's great. You're not going to pay taxes on 
anything but the dividends coming out until you sell. So that could be a long time, except when you rebalance. So when you rebalance, you're going to need to sell, particularly if the market's been going up, stock market, you're going to need to sell some of those growth funds incurring a capital gain. Oh my goodness, this is not good. So the correct answer is probably splitting the difference a little bit. Keeping some of those growth-oriented assets, some of those stock assets, in a retirement plan so you can sell them for rebalancing. And those that are in your brokerage account, those get left alone for as long as humanly possible. Because you really don't want real estate, and you really don't want bonds, that, uh, particularly when interest rates start rising and you have more income, outside of your IRAs. So it's not a simple straightforward. This is why I say there are people claim there are rules of thumb. There are no rules. It's all about finding the right balance for you. And nothing is absolute in this business, except the fact you're going to pay taxes eventually to somebody somewhere on something or, you know, the money you earned before a Roth. So thank you so much for calling. I hope that helped. I know that's about as clear as mud, but the reality is it's clear as mud. Let's do one more call before we call the end of the Q&A podcast for this week. Hi, Don. Hi, Tom. I know you like to be first, Don, so there you go. My question is, I have the opportunity to do a 401k traditional or a Roth 401k. I currently make about $100,000 a year, so my tax is about 25%. And my thinking, when I turn 65 in about 15 years, my taxes would be like 10% or less than 25%. So should I put the, my money into a traditional Roth or a, a 401k or a, um, a Roth 401k? I'm confused about that with the taxes. I know one is tax-free now, but you pay taxes later. And one is not text, and then you you pay later. If you can help me, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, my ego's more fragile than Tom, so I have to be first. Uh, <laughs> you know that last call where I said there there's no absolute easy simple answer. Well, that's kind of the <laughs> that's kind of the same situation here, because the reason there's no easy answer is because we're trying to predict the future. Now, you're 15 years from retirement. How much money do you believe you will have in your investments when you retire? That's really going to be the determinant or one of the major determinants. If, in fact, you believe you're going to retire with less than a million dollars, well, then you're going to be in a low tax bracket. You're right. And it might be more sensible to take the tax deduction today while you're in the higher bracket. So you have more money working for you. If you think you're going to be a really great, successful investor, and again, we're predicting the future, and you're going to have a couple of million, well, then your income tax in the future might actually be higher. And who knows what's going to happen with tax rates either. 
We don't know. We're guessing. Which is why my answer is similar to the answer I gave Christina. Split the difference. This is why we often say do both. Most employers allow you to do both. You can put a portion of it in the Roth and a portion of it in the regular. And initially, I'd probably split it 50-50 and see how it goes. See what you think your situation might be like. You can manipulate it. You can switch it. You can change it up year to year in most plans. Usually every year you can make changes. And uh, But I think having a little of both gives you a lot of advantages because then when you get to retirement, you can decide, do I need to take it out? No, I can let it go for a while. Or if I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking RMDs from my pre-tax money, uh, you can just let that IRA go. You don't have to take as much out if you don't need it. There are a lot of things that you don't know about the future and that we can't absolutely correctly plan for. So that's my answer. Thanks for your call. And thank you all for all of your terrific calls and questions. And please keep them coming in. Call them in to 855-935-TALK or send them in or speak them even better at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. We have a great way. If you have a halfway decent computer mic, you can speak it. And it sounds really, really good because it records your call in, in a higher quality. Also, if you're one of those folks who feels compelled to write the multi-page document with your entire portfolio and you're going, what do I do? I don't know how to invest this. It's a mess. Um, we, we, you can certainly still contact us, but it's probably going to be better if you speak with someone who can spend some time with you. And we at Vestory by Appella, which is the firm that Tom and I created 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, ooh, 13 years ago. Man, we're getting old. Uh, we 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 provide free help, free because we want to help everybody. And selfishly, we also are big believers in karmic marketing. You know that you do good stuff for other people. Eventually, something good happens to you because they spread the word that you're decent people. So you know, there's a little selfishness in it. But we will help anybody. Just go to Vestry.com and set up an appointment with one of our advisors. They'll help you figure out what's right about what you're doing, what's wrong with what you're doing. If you're doing it incredibly well and doing it all right, they're going to say, you don't need any any help. You're fine. Go move on. But you may have a bunch of stuff you don't know how much it costs. Um, you don't know whether it's properly balanced. Because most of the financial advice providers out there build portfolios backward. They start with the solutions before they even know what the problem is they're solving for. So go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Set up an appointment. It's free. It's easy. No obligation. No high-pressure sales pitch. Okay? I promise. Now, the other things I want to ask you for. Please, please, please follow the podcast, particularly on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to get the ranking up into the top 200 business podcasts, and we get up there and then we fall back out because Apple's algorithm takes, uh, from what people say, really puts a lot of weight on followers, on new followers. So please do that. Mm, what else? Um, tell your friends. Share us on social media. If you like us, review us. And... I'm going to go now. Oh, one more thing. If you'd like to call Tom and me live, we do that every Saturday from three to, we take live calls every Saturday 
from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, noon to 2 Pacific, at the same number, 855-935-TALK. And uh, we'll air it on our show in Seattle. Then it'll become a podcast next week. So there you go. That's the other thing. Thanks for being a part of our Friday Q&A. I'm Don McDonald, spending the vast bulk of my life studying, researching, and talking real money. You realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?